My house was a little run-down shack of a place, no more than a wooden cottage in the hills. At the time, I was just excited at how much land I was able to purchase for the same amount it would have cost to purchase a shoebox in Richmond, which would be my alternative option. Nottinghamshire, from whence I had come, is really flat and mostly featureless. The dandelions, by comparison, are undulating and covered in the most gloriously unkempt bushland and forest. But from the moment I moved in, I was miserable. I soon came to hate the house and I started to feel increasingly lonely. And I lived a long way from my friends and there were no close neighbours. The financial pressure of the mortgage, combined with an increasingly precarious work environment, made me anxious as I had never been before. I had a job I was struggling to master and a work environment that was not particularly nurturing. I would return to my shack at night, close the door against the winter cold and think about how much I miss my family. I became very distressed by the number of people being summarily dismissed at work and was convinced I was on the chopping block, so I worked even harder. Selling a service, as it turns out, is really difficult. Having to cold call companies that have no desire to speak to you can be soul-destroying. I was way outside my comfort zone. Sales, I have since come to understand, is not a great profession for someone who has issues with rejection. I nevertheless stuck it out at the recruitment company for almost three years. Those of us who survived, and I use that word deliberately, developed a kind of in-the-trenches mentality, but none of us left there without scars. I remember going to someone's leaving lunch and feeling so anxious I couldn't sit through the meal. A friend who knew me well suggested I go see a doctor, who promptly informed me the three most common triggers for stress and anxiety are money worries, men trouble, and job insecurity. I had hit the trifecta. Meanwhile, out at Belgrave, I had embarked upon a pet accumulation spree in an effort to introduce some companions into my life. And so the household grew with the acquisition of Gordon the Brittany Spaniel, Lola the Springer Spaniel, and two cats, William and Henry. Their ranks were soon bolstered by the arrival of a goat called Gilbert and a sheep called Rodney. They all did their darndest to keep me company, but I was still too young to become a confirmed cat spinster so I took in a lodger to help with rent and provide a bit of human company. Mark was the brother of one of my neighbours, a really nice bloke who liked to keep to himself. We became good friends. It was around this time that Greg started making impromptu house calls. Since the time he'd hurt me, I had never allowed things between us to escalate beyond a vague friendship. He had gotten the sack months earlier because he was consistently missing sales targets though if you asked him, he was the greatest salesman in the world and solely responsible for landing the biggest deal in the company. He was deluded like that. The house calls started on weekends. He would appear unannounced and offer to help out in the yard, taking to the undergrowth with the whippersnipper, moving logs, you name it. I was wary but happy to see a familiar face. And being on my own with a vast yard and expanding menagerie to manage, I was grateful for the extra set of helping hands. On the odd Saturday night, Greg would stay over, always sleeping in the separate room. He would often joke to Mark and me what a perfect couple we made and loudly predict that we would end up together. It was all very jocular and, to my mind at least, spoke to the possibility of Greg and I having a perfectly normal platonic friendship. I think he genuinely liked me, but in retrospect, part of his attraction to me lay in the fact that he saw me as vulnerable and easy to manipulate. One evening I got a phone call from Greg saying he had to move out of his house and could he stay with me. I felt sorry for him and was so lonely I said yes. And so, for what would be the first of many times, Greg moved in. 
Greg had an arrogance about him that I found offensive. He took a keen interest in alternative medicine, and there were always pots of Chinese herbs bubbling away on the stove, stinking the house out. I started to notice the books he was reading, most of them about Eastern philosophy and religion. I'm not sure that he ever read a complete book. He would read a chapter here and a chapter there, and cherry-pick from each of them the bits he liked the sound of. That first time, he stayed at my place for about ten months. As time went by, we found ourselves in a sort of relationship. He was quite removed and didn't have a lot of friends. He would have a job for a few weeks here and there, but they never lasted. He never seemed phased when he lost a job and was always ready to blame the company or a colleague rather than admit any shortcomings of his own. Greg was always good at paying bills and made a financial contribution to the running of the household. Despite his frequently stated conviction that Mark and I were a match made in heaven, Greg and I were intimate on and off. It was always random and never seemed to...